Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life forever. Psalm 23, got to be one of the, the treasures in all of uh, the history of God's people. I suppose other than John 3.16, Psalm 23 has got to be the most uh, just uh, riveting passage, riveting place in the Bible that has meant so much to so many people really for so many, so many years. It was written, as most of you know, by the shepherd king David. And what, what my goal is today is we're focusing on our relationship with God this morning. We're going to begin a new series next week that uh, Jeff and Douglas and John Haynes and I have been working on, and it's about relationships. It's about going deeper in our relationships and going into the relationships in the Bible that are so inspiring and being able to learn how to deepen our relationships. But it all starts in our relationship with God. And the goal today is for you to go deeper in the Psalms and for you to spend time, as I have like this past month, on Psalm 23 and to be able to go deeper into it and in your relationship, you know, with God. You know, it's so important that, that, that we continue to go deeper in our relationship with God. The Bible is like an ocean. It's just so full and you can go down so deep and our, honestly, our relationships are like an ocean. You can go so deep in our relationships in Christ. Our worship is like an ocean. We can go so much deeper than most of us have ever gone before, and that's definitely one of our goals. And, and I hope you know, even though we're trying to do what we can in here on a Sunday morning to be able to give us a little bit more seating, to make uh, you know, the, the worship a little bit more accessible, whether you're here or online, and to make it some, something that's easier for you to be able to follow along, you can't really depend on Sunday morning to feed your soul. That's just not going to happen. 75 minutes on a Sunday morning is not enough to take you deeper into fellowship. It's not enough worship. It's not enough Bible study. You got to have a quiet time. You got to be able to meet with each other during the week. Hebrews 3, uh, you know, chapter 12. Encourage one another. How often? Well, you know, every day. And so for those of us who get into a rut and we start relying too much on a few minutes on Sunday morning to be able to meet every need that we've got in Bible study, in worship, in fellowship, we are so far off. The idea is, let's take it deeper. And this psalm can just illustrate it in one way. I think most people think about the 23rd Psalm, at least I did, you know, growing up, as a really nice, comforting psalm when things are going bad and you're going through a valley. Maybe even a valley of the shadow of death. It's very frequently used in funerals, and it's used at bedsides, and yet it's, it's so much more than that. I think one of the most uh, interesting things as you study deeper into the Scriptures in Psalm 23 is that David was a king, David was also a shepherd, but he's writing the psalm 
not as a shepherd, but as a sheep. And he's talking about his relationship with God. He's a sheep, and God is the shepherd. Now, God has always used great leaders in the, in the past to become shepherds. And you'll remember how Moses, as you read through Psalm 78 and other places, how, how God used Moses to lead his people like a flock out of the wilderness. And that David was taken out of the sheep pens to be able to lead his people. You see, they were trained, at least Moses was as a king, but, but they were prepared by God as a shepherd. And that's the spirit of Christian leadership. It's always that way. It's not uh, it's not sovereignty, it's, it's, it's being a shepherd. And David and, uh, and Moses, Moses was the most humble man who ever lived, as the Bible said, and David, a man after God's own heart, understood this and learned this in a, you know, in a, very, a very powerful, powerful way. Now, some things we, 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 need to, uh, we need to think about a little bit you know, here. Um, I'd like to ask you to open up Psalm 23, all right? Uh, those are your notes for today. Psalm 23, and to be able to go through this week each one of these verses and to reflect on them and to be able to study them and to think about how this intersects my relationship with God and what I can do to take it deeper in my personal relationship, you know, with God. This is where we're going. This is where we're trying to, uh, to what we're trying to accomplish. Now, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing as you think about um, the... Uh, um, okay, we've got a, that's where we're looking for. Psalm, uh, Psalm 100 and verse 3, and then in, um, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Th- this is going to speak to our identity. Now, now, notice what Psalm 100 says. It says, come into his presence with singing and with joyful songs. But he says, know that the Lord, Yahweh, is God. It's he that made us, okay, and we are his. You can put that in a capital H. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. In the, next, uh, in the next passage, Jesus talked about this in his ministry. And he saw crowds. He had compassion on them because he looked at them and he realized they were harassed and helpless even though they didn't realize it. They really were like sheep without a shepherd. There's so many illustrations and so many metaphors about God. God is obviously the creator, the omnis, the omniscient, the omnipotent, the all-knowing. He's got all of that. He's the creator of the universe, but he's, he, he, but he's also love. God is also a father, and in the scriptures, we find our identity in our relationship with God. I think as much as any other place in God being our father, us being his child, but also God being our shepherd because we understand I am a sheep, not a lion or an eagle. Now, that's what the Bible says, and yet that really speaks of humility. It really speaks of value when you think about, you know, these kind of things in our life. The, uh, the first thing I think you want to realize with God as our shepherd, it has to speak to ownership, that we are his. Do you have that concept this morning that you are God's, you belong to God, you're in his flock? In one sense that he is the owner, he's the protector, he's the provider. Yes, he's awesome, but he is the one who, who, who has rulership 
over us all. You see that clearly when you study the Bible, the New Testament, and you see how, how Jesus says, you know, in order to be his follower or disciple, you've got to give up everything or you can't be his disciple. In the picture in Romans 6, as you're baptized into Christ, your old life dies, and in, verse, in chapter 7, you become married to someone else in Romans chapter 7. It's all about a new relationship. It's all about ownership. It's all about who do I really belong to? And that's a good question this morning. To what extent do I, sitting here in this chair, to what extent do I have the concept and the belief and the perception, you know, throughout my week, throughout my day, you know, that I belong to God? My life belongs to God. I traded my old life, you know, for life in Him and for this unique relationship that we've got. That's something to really think about and reflect on because the Lord, He is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Did you know that ownership makes all the difference in something? Have you noticed that? Who, who, whatever the quality and the character of the owner is, it absolutely affects the destiny of that person or that object. You think about a car. Anybody got a car? Think about owning a car. You're going to have two guys, and we'll just pick on the college students since they are here. You pick on two college students, and they got the same car. Over a period of time, what's going to make the difference? Well, I mean, certainly, if it, you know, because they're equal cars. It's the owner. It's taking care of it. It's, it's putting their heart and soul into it. You think about a house, it's the same way, okay? It makes all the difference. What kind of person is owning this house? What kind of person is owning this business? Or what kind of parent does this child have? It makes all the difference in this kind of relationship. And then, of course, there's, there's this aspect of being sheep, of being his, but also being his and God being our father and us being our child. You see a tenderness in this psalm. As you continue to read through it, it is really an amazing thing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't need anything. He leads me beside quiet waters. He, leads, or, uh, he, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. There's a beautiful relationship that's taking place, you know, there. Do what degree today do you have that abiding sense that you not only belong to God, to Yahweh, you, you not only are one of his sheep. Okay, what do we know about sheep? We'll get into this later in the psalm. They are dumb. They can't really take care of themselves. This is why God chose that picture. These are two radically different pictures, that being a son or daughter of God and being a dumb sheep who needs to be led and keeps falling into stuff he can't extricate himself out of. That is the human condition, and yet you can not only be in God's flock, but you can be in his family. It's a very powerful, it's a beautiful thing, and you see that picture in Luke chapter 15. Remember Luke chapter 15 about the lost son? And about the lost sheep, and the sheep was lost, and the shepherd cared so much about that one sheep, he leaves everything else, and he goes out until he finds him, and then he rejoices, and that's the picture of how much God loves us, cares for us, and he's that kind of shepherd. But then he's also a father who is waiting, even as his dumb son, the sheep, goes out and messes up his life. He finally comes back, and that father is so full of love. He's so full of compassion. And he simply says, my son was lost, 
and now he's found. You ever lost your son? Have you? Ever lost your daughter for a while? Ryan was two years old. We lived in Colorado, maybe two and a half. And my wife, Kelly, made the mistake of taking him to a mall. And so she was looking at probably some dresses, and he was kind of hiding under one of the carousels. And all of a sudden, she looks around, and he's gone, and he can't, she cannot find him. That ever happened to you? How frightening that is. Kelly freaked, okay? And she's running around. She's screaming like a mom, you know, would. And finally, they run out into the mall, and the little guy had walked out into the middle of the mall and was just kind of having a great time, you know, out there. And he straight, he wanders back in the store, and Kelly's like, she was, she was talking about, those were some of the worst moments of her life. Her son was lost. We just got back from vacation. We were down in Mexico. And my son had a brilliant idea, now he's 30, you know, this is like 35 years later. And we're on vacation together, and he, he decides to go on this thing called Explore, but at night. And it's two hours into the jungle, and so we didn't feel like going, okay? And so he goes on Explore, and he's supposed to get back at 10.30 at night. It gets to be 10.30, gets to be 11. They're doing it at night, they're doing crazy, crazy zipline wild stuff. And so it gets to be 10.30, it gets to be 11, and it gets to be 12, and we're trying to go to bed. I can't go to sleep. Okay, and so I call down the front desk, and I say, what time is this place? Well, they never get back later than 10.30. I said, what? And so I'm, I'm, I'm uh, and I've been looking at the Psalm 23, and the time goes on, and prayerfully, thankfully, Kelly was asleep in bed. And I had literally, literally, that I can recall the worst two hours of my life, from 12.30 to 2.30. I didn't know if he was dead, if, he, if somebody kidnapped him, if he's at the bottom of the jungle, you know, had no idea. And, and I, I, all I knew to do, I grabbed out Psalm 23, I started praying and praying and making, you know how you do those little deals with God? God, if he just shows up, you know, you know. I mean, I was even there, okay, I was even going there. And then finally, there's a knock on the door, and it's at 2.30. And, of course, I was afraid a little bit for a knock on the door or a phone call. And it's, a knock, and it's him, and I was like, oh, you know, you, do I slap him, you know? Do I slap him, you know, or just hug him? He missed the bus. So he hitchhiked two hours. In the middle of the night on some middle of Mexico road, you know, I just like. But then I had the greatest time. It was so great. And Jesus tells, he tells this story about the son that was lost, the sheep that was lost. See, God really cares about you and me. That's how he feels when we're messing up. When we're hurting ourselves, when we're hurting others, are we just kind of flat out get a little bit 
lost. If you're looking at your Bible, because my, my slide up here, it's, it's on four or five different slides, Psalm 23, but if you're looking, you know, at your Bible there, you see, you know, this relationship with the shepherd and the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't need anything with that kind of relationship. We have something in our church called EDGE. It's our singles and young professionals ministry, and EDGE stands for, help me out, every day. God is enough. Is that true? Every day, God is enough. Every day, that shepherd, that good shepherd is enough for that sheep to give him as good a life as a sheep can possibly have. Every day, God is a good enough father for you and me as a son or daughter of God to supply whatever we need. 2 Peter chapter 1, 3 through 11, through, by his life and godliness, he's given us everything we need, you know, to live the Christian life. It's such a powerful thought when we realize this about what, what it means to have the Lord as our shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, he leads me besides quiet waters. There's a beautiful book I discovered about 37 years ago. In 1980, I read this book. Some of you know it, right? Philip Keller. A uh, shepherd looks at Psalm 23. It actually should be a sheep looks at the shepherd in Psalm 23. I mean, that is really the, the focus of Psalm 23. And he wrote this book, and I remember I discovered it as a young minister. And, you know, again, I was in that period. Psalm 23, that's nice. That's good for funerals. You're feeling a little bit down. Sick relative, great. But, you know, really hadn't discovered it as, as, as something that could be a key in my relationship with God. John Smith got all of this. He got, got the same book for all of us as family group leaders. And because, again, being a family group leader, it's all about shepherding. It's all about having that kind of spirit. It's all about having that kind of heart. But when you read through it, you know, uh, Keller will make the point that sheep are so dumb and they are, such, that they are led so easily astray, they really can't take care of themselves on their own. They're prone to get in little ruts and fall in them and get flipped upside down. And if they can't get out of it, they actually can die. You know, right there on the spot. That, that, that's what happens, you know, to them. And they, they're also, of all the, the, the breeds of livestock, they're some of the most skittish. And they, they, there are four or five different things that can totally get them off kilter. You know, and they need to be able to find pasture where they can lie down and they can be quiet. You know, we live in a world where we need some help to be quiet and not as anxious. There's a lot to get anxious about even if your kid is home before 2.30 in the morning. Ever heard of Equifax? Ever heard of identity theft? We just make up new stuff to get worried about, to get anxious about, as well as the stuff we've always been anxious about for decade you know, after decade. God is the one who could calm and quiet our soul. And so if you're looking in your Bible, he not only makes you lie down in green pastures and leads you beside, you know, still waters, he restores your soul. Did you know that from time to time you need to get restored? Did you know that? Did you know your soul needs some work and it's got to get restored? 
David went through this whole thing. If you guys that know the Psalms and know his life, in Psalm 42 is one of his famous Psalms where he says, My soul, why are you cast down? And why so disquieted within me? You can read uh, Psalm 42 as an adjunct to Psalm 23. He's down. He can't get out of it. We know Psalm 50, 51 where he's praying for that clean, pure heart to get restored to God. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. It happened to David. He had times in his life where he did need to have his soul restored. And only the good shepherd and the father could be able to do that. You ever had the time in your life where you needed to be restored? Two distinct times in my life, five years after I became a, a Christian and a disciple, and I stopped going to church, I got discouraged about a bunch of stuff, I got caught up in some sin, and, you know, I, I, a lot of people prayed for me, they cared about me, they were concerned about me, and uh, they didn't see me around for several months, and then finally I had enough sense at least to come back and have a conversation with somebody, and then there was a process over a few months to not just start coming to church again, but get my heart back right. And it happened again 23 years later. You know, you probably, let me just tell you my experience, over a lot of decades, you are probably going to have a couple of times at least in your life where you not just need to get a little more active in, in, in sharing your faith or coming to church more or read your Bible a little bit more. But you realize I have slipped a long way here. And I need to get restored, not just get more active. And God can do that. He can restore our soul and give us the joy of our salvation back. I'm working with three uh, adult men right now who are going through that process. And we're, we're talking about, no, it's not just coming back to church on a more regular basis and stop doing a couple of bad sins. It's about getting restored to your original walk with God and your commitment. And so you may need to be there. You may be experiencing this because Jesus Christ he is the good shepherd. His sheep know him, and he knows them. The sheep listen to his voice, and they follow him. They follow Jesus. If you need to be restored, just get super humbled out and go, you know what? I've fallen into a rut myself, and I cannot get out. I need help. The Lord who is your shepherd is there he knows it and he helps it. And if you'll look as we're, you're winding down here. You know, do you see that, um, you know, as you get into verse 4, there's something very interesting that happens. The pronoun changes. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Do you see what he says? You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We have changed from the pronoun he to you. And it is absolutely true. In the times when you're going through the most valley, the storms that so many people are going through now, the challenging times, you know, in, you know, in your life, that God not only, he says, I'm with you, but sometimes he carries you because he is your shepherd and he loves you and he wants to draw close to you in the most beautiful of ways. You will walk through the valley, amen? You will walk through the valley. Everybody in this room, 
more than once, but you will not walk alone. We're going to take communion in just a moment. You know what this is all about? As we take this bread and we take this juice, we all like what? Have gone what? Astray. Yeah. Every human being does it. Every kid does it. Every sheep does it. But the Lord has laid on him who? Jesus Christ. The one we honor this morning. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. He didn't open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before the shearer is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. One of the great mysteries of the scriptures in life is that in order to become our good shepherd, Jesus had to become a lamb, had to become a sheep. It was sacrificed and slaughtered, you know, for all of us. And so as we take communion, I hope you'll consider this. That God is your father, but he's our shepherd too. We have great value, amazing value, but we also need to be led. We're dumb, and we make the same mistakes time and time again. I'm going to say a prayer for communion in just a moment, but I want to end with this brief, uh, you know, this brief story. Any of you um, ever heard of Richard Burton? He's an old-time actor. He's in the original Camelot, you know, Camelot, you know, Julie Andrews and Richard Burton. And uh, it's a story about him that he, he was invited to go back to uh, his childhood parish. And um, he, he was given an honor, you know, as a, you know, somebody who had been quite famous. And um, they, they had a banquet, you know, for him. And during that time, you know, he, uh, because he has this deep, great voice, and this great uh, theatrical actor, and he, uh, he asked people, hey, is there anything that you'd like me to recite? And so people said some various things. And then his old minister, you know, made, made a request. And he said, I'd like you to recite the 23rd Psalm. And, you know, Richard Burton, I mean, if you know his history, he was not like the most spiritually inclined person maybe. And, but, but he knew the 23rd Psalm because he, his, his old minister had taught him that as he was a little, he was a little kid. And he said, okay, I'll do it if you come up and do it after me. His old minister was in a wheelchair. He, you know, was kind of feeble, but he agreed to do it. And so Burton gets going, and, he, he, and it is amazing, you know, command of the stage and of people, and even of his psalm. He just does this amazing, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be strong. And people are mesmerized, as you do with somebody with that level of talent. And when it's done, people, there's this thunderous applause. And people, yeah, and they, whoa, yes. And the old minister, they wheel him up to the stage, and he, he, he's not so professional. His voice is thin. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely mercy and goodness will follow me all the days of my life. 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not a sound. Barely a dry eye. Richard Burton purportedly then got up and thanked his old minister and said, hey, I tickled your ears, but he touched your heart. See, I know the psalm. He knows the shepherd. This is what life is about. It's not just knowing stuff about our faith of the Bible. It's knowing him. May this communion and this fall be a time where we go deeper in our relationship with God. Let's pray. Father, you've done what we could never do for ourselves in the sacrifice of Jesus like a lamb led to slaughter. All we can do is from the bottom of our hearts say thank you for being our Father in heaven, for being our shepherd. Help us to live out our commitments and walk with you every day. Make this communion meaningful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.